You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. This is Fired Up NFL Draft Podcast with your host, Daniel Garrett and Mitch Wolf. Mitch, how you doing today? I'm doing great. You know, the Steelers locked up TJ Watt today, so I'm excited about that. And we get actual football, NFL football tonight. Yeah, great, great game coming up later. It'll be over. We'll know the results. We're going with, uh, we'll just play, pretend like we know the results. A great Bucks win tonight, despite yeah. a high-scoring Cowboys offense. There we go. That's a a pretty accurate prediction, you know, I'd say. (laughs) So uh, we have some ACC corners plus one AAC corner. We have Garrett Williams of Syracuse, Ahmad Sauce Gardner of Cincinnati, our AAC corner, Damari Mathis of Pitt, and Andrew Booth of Clemson. So let's start out with Garrett Williams here. He was number 14. Now he's number eight. Mitch, what's what's his height and weight and all those measurables? Yes. So he's six foot 190. That's what we have right now. Uh, he's going to be a red shirt sophomore this year. I think he's listed as a red shirt freshman because of the COVID year, but he's in his third year at Syracuse. Um, so he redshirted in 2019 after only playing on special teams in four games. But then this past year, he started every game for Syracuse at cornerback and he earned freshman All-American and All-ACC honorable mention. Yeah, and he mainly lined up there on the left the side. Left side. He was like exclusively right, left side. Yeah. And then that's right side of the offense, left right. side mm-hmm. defense. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Williams is a interesting player in that he played in a defense with a lot of NFL caliber players around him. And you know, at times at times it looked like he could very well be the best player in that secondary and he is young. So you do expect some up and down, but I, I'm, we, we discussed a little bit before the show. I am a little bit lower on him than you, but I do think he has a chance to rise just because of how young he is. Mm-hmm. But as he is right now, I am a bit lower on you, but I'll get into my best traits. I really, really liked both his closing speed and his run support as well. I really thought he yep. was good and run support yeah and i agree with you on the first one for sure yeah his his closing speed is absolutely fantastic and it helps make up for the fact that he does allow a bit more separation than you would like but he can make up for it somewhat with his closing speed what did you think his best trait was yeah i had the same i had just in general his speed and foot quickness like i thought he was you know, like you said, very great in that getting downhill quickly with his trigger and closing on the ball or the receiver. 
<clears throat> I thought he was really smooth in his back pedal with his with really good transitions and hip fluidity. And that's obviously important because he's almost exclusively playing in off coverage and deep zones. He's basically never pressing a receiver. So that hip fluidity is extremely important because you're kind of waiting at that and explosiveness are really important at that point because you're kind of waiting for the receiver to come to you and then you have to get out of your break and get going fast. Yeah. And like you said, just as an athlete, that ability to transition, it's something you see in the top, top corners in this class. And he is not, not necessarily there with them, but he is one of the better ones of the players we've watched so far. And that's, what's going to give him that opportunity to rise for me. And as I said, as we said earlier, you are a bit higher on me and him already. And really, if he can put together the rest of his game, he's going to be able to rise a good amount, but he just does not play enough different stuff in terms of being able to press and playing off man a lot. So I had that, I had his man coverage ability as his worst trait, and it's mainly just he doesn't show it on film. And that's that's not necessarily his fault because it is their scheme but we just don't see it so it's hard to actually grade it and see how good it is and that's why I had his his worst trait it's just very difficult to see what his actual skill set is there and how good it could be with experience because he just isn't getting that experience right now so it's at a very low level when he does get the occasional rep. For sure. And I agree with you. My, so for my worst trait, I put it as scheme limitations, just as kind of a more of a blanket term, because, you know, he's he again, like you said, he's not doing man, he's not doing press, he's not doing off man, he's really just doing like off coverage, deep zones, deep thirds, deep quarters. So like we both said, he's very young, so he's got time. I'm not so I'm not sure if he would stick around if Syracuse fires their staff, which I think is going to be very likely this year. And that would be kind of interesting to see if he can stick around and play in a new defensive scheme and show he can be proficient in that. But yeah, so for me, the thing that's worse right now is just, it's mostly just unknowns. Like we don't know how he plays in other schemes. Um, I do, one other thing I did want to mention, I think he has excellent ball skills. So he led the ACC in passes defensed this year, I think. Yeah, I have that. There we go. Um, and I thought his ball skills were really good. You know, his ability to that, and that's where that click and close that trigger comes in is he's getting, he's seeing when the ball is coming because he's in that deep off zone and he's able to break on it, get there and make a play on the ball. Um, so that was just one more good thing I wanted to mention, but, uh, my improvement is kind of tied to my worst trait in that it's his press technique and his line of scrimmage skills. So like I said, like it's very rare, but he does it occasionally and, it's because it's so rare, it's kind of hard to grade it, but that's something that I just want to see him improve on and add to his game, because then you can at least start the conversation of saying, okay, like he can be a zone press corner and not just an off off zone corner. And then, you know, maybe eventually you might be able to build a hitman coverage into that skill set. Yeah. And I had the same thing and we'll get to another guy a little bit later where we saw very similarly in terms of what they need to improve and what they don't do well at the moment. And it's another one where it's a scheme limitation, but uh, yeah, I definitely agree with you there that if he can stay, I think that's going to be best for him. And also being able to get experience because, again, he's a 30-year player now, so he still will be young enough where it's not much of an issue if he does stay for that extra year. If they do switch over staffs, get to learn a new scheme, get to play in that other scheme. And I, I think it's going to be beneficial for him. In terms of draft range, 
I I did, like I said, see him a little bit lower. I think he's right around that fourth roundish area right now. I I think he has a lot of upward potential. I think he can get into that second round just because of that athleticism that he has shown. But at the moment, I just don't see enough in terms of I don't think he's one of the best players in this class in terms of zone coverage, and he doesn't show anything as a man coverage corner just because of the scheme that they run. So it's really going to be difficult for me to have him at the moment select him any higher than a guy that isn't projected as a starter. He has the athleticism where as a special teams player, he can be very effective as well. So it's going to give him a nice floor, but I just not, there's not a ton of teams that are going to be running exclusively zone and you just don't necessarily see enough man. Now there are teams such as like Dallas is transitioning to that cover three scheme. We talked about it with a couple of other guys in terms of how they would fit in that before the show. But I do think if Williams can get in that type of scheme, I think that could be very good for him. And, you know, Dallas isn't the best example being they drafted two corners in the second and third round this past year. But I, I do think he's better than at least one of those corners. So yeah, and I, that's that's actually what I was going to bring up is, you know, maybe not necessarily from a scouting and traits perspective, but from kind of a narrative and general potential comparison. You know, he kind of reminds me of that Kelvin Joseph player where there are obviously flaws. There's some scheme limitations, but he's so young and there's just not we just there's a lot of growth left that, you know, you somebody you want to invest in. And for that reason, I have him as like a mid day two, like in the round early round three range because like kind of like you were saying like i he's the team that he's a player that teams are going to want to invest in especially if they are running that kind of scheme and you know like you were saying that scheme isn't necessarily super in vogue right now but i i think i'm just willing to like you know get him in the building and invest on it early as opposed to being like ah like and again like it don't we've this gets said a lot like it only takes one team and, you know, it just depends on where that team is picking, but I could see a team being like, okay, no, this is our guy. Like, and like you said, like maybe don't start him at, right off the bat as a rookie. Uh, but if you've got some older corners who he can kind of learn under, then that's something that he could be somewhere. He could be really successful in the future. Yeah. And you, you think about just five years ago, there would have been half teams that would love a corner like him just, mm-hmm. just five years ago. And that would really open up his market. I could very well have seen him being a, guy that goes second round just as is five years ago just because of the need for those types but really a lot of teams even Seattle has really come off of that mold of corner to where they aren't necessarily looking specifically for that but yeah people finally figured out it wasn't necessarily the scheme it was the fact that there were three or four hall of fame level players on a defense not this not just the scheme (laughs) yeah yeah that may help who who knows who's to really say who's to <laughs> me i'm saying it <laughs> but yeah that that fact may help your secondary if four of your starters are hall of famers so mm-hmm. well we'll transition now to ahmad sauce gardner was number 12 for the bearcats is now number one is their best corner plays mainly press man coverage is that boundary corner for them 
So what what did you think of Sauce? So as soon as you turn the film on him, you notice the length. Like if he's standing up straight, I think his fingertips are down to his knees, his knee, like the bottom of his kneecaps. His arms are insanely long and he's pretty skinny. I'll give him that. But so he's listed at 6'3", 200. Last year he was 6'2", 188. So he's probably 6'2", and change, probably around 190. But that's fine for a corner. Uh, but I liked him a lot because I, I, I think I tend to like the longer press type corners, um, you know, that's just a personal preference of mine. Uh, and like you said, he's almost playing exclusively impressed, especially this past year. They're mostly making him the boundary corner the year before in 2019, he was moving uh, to both sides of the field a little bit, but he's pretty much almost always playing outside. And I think he's a ex- excellent corner. I think he's, he's playing a lot of different techniques, even as the boundary guy, I, you know, he's obviously best in press man. So you know, that's great. I, I would say his best trait is his length and his ball skills because then those two are combined in that, you know, his, his athleticism is very good, but his length allows him to make plays in the ball that simply put sh- shorter and squatter players are just not able to make. Like he's able to reach out when he's playing in trail technique and bat a pass down before it gets there to receiver. He's able to, you know, stretch out vertically and make a play on the ball. There was one, his pick six against East Carolina, in 2019 he's playing in off coverage and he just he reads the quarterback the whole way and just let like leaps in front of the receiver and takes back for a pick six for like 60 yards so i i really like and of course you know how are you not going to like a defensive back whose name is sauce gardner that's just an incredible name you know that 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 alone should get you at least a first round pick yeah and i wanted to play off that point you said of his ability to play the ball from the trail I, I do think his length really helps him out and kind of makes up for some not necessarily sometimes not necessarily being in the best position mm-hmm. where a normal corner, a normal size corner would just not be able to make the play on the ball because of the positioning he's in, but he's just so long where it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we kind of we talked about that a little bit with Derek Stingley. He's using his like speed and athleticism to erase that, whereas Sauce is just using his size and length. Yeah, it like I had that as a point of improvement, the positioning there in the trail, mm-hmm. playing the ball. And I also had he is a little bit over physical, get some oh. pass interferences out of it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah, so, so he had he had seven penalties in 2020 alone. So yeah, yeah, that that was I kind of combined them for my what to improve, but I did think it was good. It just you know, if he if he improves that positioning, I don't know who who is going to be a better player at that in this class. Outside of, yeah, Stingley is just an athletic freak and a freak of nature. Maybe Booth with some experience, we'll get to him later, could get there. But I don't know outside of that who really is going to be able to, at the catch point, be a better player if he can improve that positioning. So Yeah, for sure. So it's not necessarily that he needs to improve it to be good at it. It's that he's so good at it that if he can improve it technically he can become one of the best at it and just really boost him into being that lockdown type corner impress me and and like uh like williams he's only this is only his third year playing and he's he 
played a lot his true freshman year and earned the starting job about halfway through the season. So he's been playing, but he's still pretty young. So, you know, he's got that room to grow. I also have for his worst trade, his grabbiness slash penalties or just aggressiveness and coverage, you know, as you, that's just going to happen sometimes. Maybe this year was just a bad year for that. Maybe we'll get that cleaned up this year. Uh, for an improvement, I have his understanding like zone spacing and his instincts, specifically in cover two and four. So, you know, just getting maybe some more experience in some more uh, mentally challenging coverages, I guess, would be a way to put it. Um, because that's something that I think he was kind of, he would be kind of frozen in zones like between receivers and not exactly know what to do. But again, that's kind of an experience thing. I also think that his size and length makes him an asset in the run game in that he's able to manipulate blockers that in a way most defensive backs can't. And his frame just allows him to, you know, swallow up running backs or like wide receivers in the open field in the flats. Yeah. And I, I agree. I, am really a fan of the way he plays and runs support. Now, my one problem with him in terms of his run support is that he isn't he isn't necessarily super I don't want to say aggressive, but cuz it's not an aggressiveness, it's a when he gets blocked, he just kind of stops. He doesn't really fight through blocks, which it's a corner whatever, but the fact is He's going against receivers. He's like you said, six three, one ninety. He should be able to occasionally get off of a block, and he just kind of stops. Now, when he's unblocked, he's running up there. Mm-hmm. He's laying people out. He's hitting with good form. Like they're like we'll get to Andrew Booth. His form sucks. Uh, <laughs> Gar- Gardner's tackling form is good. He just there's there's a lot a lot of issues with him when he is blocked just not really doing a whole lot and kind of dying on the play it's a very minor nitpick and it really generally does not matter a whole lot it's maybe it's worth one time one or two times a game he could save an extra few yards Mm -hmm. it's it's a very minor nitpick but just did want to bring that up because I did like his run support outside of that and next up, we have the. Hang on, let's so we got it. Let's talk about where he's getting drafted. <laughs> oh, yep. So I I think he's a borderline player, late first. You know, he could slide to early second just because of those scheme limitations. Just not playing a ton of zone, and mainly playing that press man. Now press man, it's a lot easier to just get the guy out there. Yeah, so and it's, I, it's I, not going to be as much of a concern. But you know, if if a team if if a team likes a guy better for their scheme, could see some guys go ahead of him that might necessarily be as talented. So I think he could fall into the second round. But now, if the Browns still need a corner, I would absolutely love him at the end of the first round. But that's not a need anymore. But yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm I think I'm a little higher again as well uh, because I can I I think he's right now based on the film that I watch I'd say pretty comfortably like a back end of the first round but it's probably still in the first round for me and it's kind of the inverse of Williams in that a lot of teams are looking for his type of corner now and that a guy who can play that press man and again you know because of that there will just be more teams that are willing to take him in that area I think a lot of teams will say okay maybe that penalties thing was just a fluke like we can fix that later on um, but I think that his length alone and just what that brings is going to be attractive to a lot of teams. And with the way teams are kind of doing split field coverages, you know, they have man 
on one side and zone to the other. Like if he's going to be your backside boundary lockdown eraser corner, I think you're pretty happy with that. Oh yeah. And I, I don't remember where this was said, but you'd rather I do. I did hear this. You would rather have a cornerback be too physical than not physical enough. I think I said this last episode about Josh Job. <laughs> yeah, it might have been. You'd rather <laughs> you'd rather have them have to turn it down a little bit than mm-hmm. have to turn it up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I believe it was because it was Job versus Elam. Yep. <laughs> That's exactly yep. it. <laughs> yep. So uh now got a little bit ahead of myself, but now we're going to get to Damari Mathis, number 21 for Pitt. Came coming off a knee injury that caused him to miss all of 2020. In 2019, he started 10 games for the Panthers. He had 23 tackles, 11 pass breakups, and two interceptions. So, what do you like about Mathis? So, Pitt is, and this is kind of the culmination of our previous two guys in their scheme. So, Pitt is, I would say it's a little closer to Syracuse, but it's that press quarters that comes out of the Mark D'Antonio tree and Pat Narduzzi took it to Pitt, and they almost run that exclusively so much that. Pitt plays a ton of base defense and they'll just put their linebacker in the slot overhang area. It's kind of weird, but anyways, um, so he's comfortable in that press alignments, but he's not necessarily always jamming the receiver. So he might give him bump and run more so than, you know, true press jam, but I liked him a fair bit. You know, I think he's got good change of direction trigger skills. He's a pretty good open field tackler. Uh, he's He's comfortable running in that side saddle, you know, where you're at the turn, you're, you know, you're, um, your hips are parallel to the receiver's line of motion going downfield, basically. I think he's got the speed to hang with most receivers, maybe not all of them. And his transitions might not be perfect, but they're they're decent, I would say. I would say that his best trait is his ball skills. And I showed you this clip the other night where it was back-to-back plays where the first one, the receiver runs a slant, slant and go, a sluggo, and beats him initially. He's able to recover and make a play on the ball when he's following the receiver, but not necessarily in trail technique, but he's gotten beat. He's able, but he's able to recover and make a play on the ball and force the incompletion. The next play he's playing in more of an off zone coverage. The receiver runs a curl in front of him and he triggers downhill and is able to swat the ball away, triggering towards the ball. And that was just, those are two incredible plays in that you're showing those two aspects of ball skills, both when you're running kind of with the ball or running at the ball. And I thought those was, that was just a really interesting and impressive display of his skills. Yeah. Um, I'm mad. You, you stole my points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. That's the thing about math is it's like, he's very cut and dry because he's doing it. He's doing a very specific job. He's doing it pretty well. <laughs> yeah. And like, like you said, he's, he's good at doing what he does. And if you want a guy that can do that, great. He has not shown him himself doing other stuff. So like mm-hmm. you don't necessarily know. And and we'll get into worst trait and what to improve. I kind of had a toss-up. So I had two things. I couldn't decide which one to put where. So I just am gonna draw them both out here at the same time. So versatility, like we said, just does the one thing doesn't show anything else just says that one thing and then the other one is his press technique at the line i don't like it at all um yep. it's very rough he a lot of time is just when when he steps it's just the best way to describe it is ugly 
<laughs> it's it's just ugly. It's so so bad. And he he's gang. I I saw a couple reps where he's stepping past the receiver on his step. Yeah, that was my improvement trait, and I think it also could have been my worst one. My worst was just he does get a little. I thought a little too aggressive sometimes, like trying to jump routes um, that are like in breaking, like that sluggo where I mentioned he got initially beat. Um, but that happens a few times. He's not able to recover. I think that the issues with press might be that he's probably just not overly long. So like we talked about sauce, like he's got those crazy long arms. I don't think Mathis is very long, anything for that matter. He's only 5'11", 195. So not super, not a size specimen, if you will. And I don't, I think that's kind of hurting him and his ability to compete in that press aspect of the game, which is weird because like we said, press quarters, but I think that, you know, he's been around on this team for a while. He seems like a smart player. So I think for me, I'd say he's like an early day three guy, like that fourth to fifth round. And, you know, he's definitely a guy that you can put on special teams for a while. He can probably be a special teams guy for a very long time. And, you know, if he ha- if you have an injury and he needs to play for a little bit as an outside corner in a, a scheme that runs a lot of quarters, you're going to be okay. Yeah, so I would agree with early day three for Mathis. Um, here's, here's the thing, comparing him to Williams – I would, if I were to throw them out into the NFL right now, I think Mathis would be better. Mm-hmm. However, I do think down the line, Williams will end up better because he has better length. He has better athleticism. His traits are just straight up better. Yeah. So, sure. so I think they're very close right now in terms of skill. And I would probably slightly lean towards Mathis, Mm. but I do think by the end of the year, even I'm not even talking two, three, I'm talking by the end of this college season, I (laughs) think Williams will probably be the better player. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously I like Williams more, so I would definitely agree with that statement. Regardless, I have Williams at least around higher than him, but yeah, for sure. Like, and that's why like I would prefer to Williams just in general is that he, like we said, he has that upside. Yeah, and like you like you said, gonna be a I think he's going to be a player that is in the league for a while as that third, fourth corner. Mm-hmm. Probably not gonna play nickel. So it's going to be your third, fourth outside corner, depending on if your nickel has that inside out versatility or if he's exclusively in going to be a nickel. So that will really depend how much he plays is a more team thing. But I think as a as a third, fourth corner, I think he's definitely solid enough where passable not anything special but just just a guy just a guy is probably about the best way to describe what he's going to be in the nfl Mm -hmm. and so last up we have andrew booth of clemson number 23 has not played a ton i believe he is slightly over 400 snaps i was yep yep that's right i think it's like 443 or something like that yeah, so not a lot of experience, and I'll throw that out there. I love this guy, and experience with Wyro as his worst trait. He does not have any, and it, and it, it's not that he doesn't have stuff that he does wrong. It's that with experience, I think those things will correct themselves. Mm-hmm. So, ex- there's a lot of stuff that he needs to improve but the way he's going to improve 
those is with that experience. So experience is my worst trait. We'll just start out there. But I I do love Booth. I think he is such a good player. And I had on the Browns pod I do had Lorenz Lineweaver of NFL Draft Bible on. Mm-hmm. And we talked about some guys that he thought we ended the show talking about some underrated players. And he thought Booth was still underrated because people weren't giving him the due of being super close to Derek Stingley. I think more people are giving him that than Lorenz thinks. Like I know yeah. at least I know Joe Marino of the draft network loves Booth and, and like has written at least one article, maybe two about like, can Andrew Booth challenge Stanley for CB one, like, or is he challenging? So I think, I think Booth is higher rated than Lorenz might think. So I like Booth a lot as well. I said this to you earlier, but he, he reminded me of Devonta White and that it took me a little while of watching him to understand like, okay, this guy's just like really good, but like, nothing is like super popping. And I think part of the reason was like what you mentioned is that because of his lack of experience, there are some little mistakes. Like one thing I noticed is that he has some issues kind of understanding how to use his leverage, like side to side and being like, okay, I need to be on this side of the receiver so I can take away this part of the field and I can be in the best position to stop the throw. So that was kind of one of my bigger issues with him. Uh, I think he's a very good tackler, which I think you don't think that. And I think it's more just the willingness to tackle kind of that Josh Joe mentality, his technique is could use some improvement, but I still think it's decent. And, you know, that's most, that's pretty much what I want out of a corner. I don't need you to be the best tackler in the world. Um, but he's also like some of the other guys I mentioned, he's very comfortable with that side saddle technique. So he kind of made me think of that classic Seattle press corner and that he's got all those abilities to do that. I think that for improvement though, I would like to see his line of scrimmage skills and his press technique improve. And like you said, that's something that'll improve just as he gets more reps and understands how to attack receivers and deal with how they're trying to attack him. Yeah. And some of his best traits are definitely those athletic traits, the ability Mm -hmm. to flip his hips. Yeah. And just, and that's going to be really effective when he's trying to mirror players in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And I did have, like you said, I am a little lower on his tackling form. He leaves his feet a lot. That's my biggest issue with it. It's, it's going to lead. It, it might not have led to – it didn't lead to a ton in the games I watched. But over time, if he continues to leave his feet, especially when he goes against higher competition, it's going to lead to missed tackles. Mm-hmm. And that is my biggest concern with the tackling form. Like you said, he is like a, just explodes like a missile towards the ball when he is going up and run sport. I love it. I love it so much, but then he dives at the guy and then who knows when that's an actual good player instead of whoever Georgia tech is thrown out there at the time in the ACC, it's going to cause a bit more of a problem, but I absolutely love Booth. I think he's a no question when we well get into this here. I think he's a no question top 10 pick. Yep. I'd agree with that. I, I still like Stigley more. Cause I still think yep. Stingley is a, be- a slight, a better athlete, maybe just a slightly better athlete. And Stingley has it like incredibly like stay, like I said, with Stingley, like his press technique is incredible. Whereas Booth has to work on that. Uh, but I-, I think that he's definitely worthy of a top 10 pick. You know, like we said last time, this is going to be a pretty defensive heavy draft and he's not going to shock me at all. If he's going as at like eight or something. Yeah. And I'll say this, I would, I would take either of these guys over even anyone in last year's class. 
of the corners. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's interesting. So the reason I'm I'm taking into account uh, Farley's injury. Oh yeah, I forgot about him. I was mainly thinking of Sertan and Horn. Yes. Yes. I love. You take them, you take them both them. over Sertan. Yes. Wow. Okay. And and I did like Sertan. I I loved Sertan. So I I think I would do Stingley. I'm not sure I would take Booth just because I think that the athletic difference between Sertan and Booth is very small, if any. And Sertan has all that experience and just a very rare knowledge and uh, instinctual knowledge of how the game is working, which, you know, probably is genetic, but that's for another time. <laughs> yeah. And I, I completely like agree with the fact that Sertan is just special in terms of his knowledge of the corner position. But I just think I just think Booth has a chance to be just a special player and man. And and certain certain I thought was going to be a very good, maybe even Pro Bowl caliber corner. I really think both these corners have a chance to be that top of the line special type corners. In terms of guys, I think I think Booth is just going to be if if there wasn't Stingley in this draft and someone took Booth at three, I would not blink an eye if Stingley was not in this class. I think I, I think I would. So, but I, so I have a pretty decent gap between Stingley and Booth then um, just because yeah, I still yeah. have those questions. And then so, I think the gap between Booth and I guess Gardner or Elam is still pretty big as well. Yeah. So Stingley for me, is a guy I'm not betting an eye no matter where he's picked. Mm-hmm. If Booth goes above like some of these like Thibodeau and Leals and probably even Kyle Hamilton. Whoever, yeah. Yeah. I forgot about to say him. And then the, uh, so yeah, I guess it would be if he goes four, mm-hmm. I wouldn't blink an eye. But if he goes, if he goes above any of those four, including Stingley, then I would be absolutely shocked and I would be completely surprised but after that i think he has a real shot of being the top the next guy in this class and i know there are some people that are there i'm not entirely sure but i think he has a shot to end up as being that fifth best player in this class so i guess i guess i'm lower on williams and gardner and probably a little higher on mathis and booth to end the show than you but i think we're fairly close on everyone except for garrett williams i think we're and even then you said like by the end of this year williams will probably be a little better just because yeah so we'll know more yeah he just he just really needs another year i think to improve Mm -hmm. and I, i think boot does as well and like like i said i don't think he is necessarily there yet at the point where he if he goes if the if he was in last year's class and he went five it would be a bit of a reach just because he needs that time to develop but i'm Mm. counting on the fact that since his issues are experience issues getting that experience will fix those issues all right (laughs) so i think that's a good way to end it we'll be back next time for some more corners got this is such a fun class. We got some more mm-hmm. good ones coming up. We got 
we we've talked about four guys that I think can go around one and we we've got more to go for sure. Yeah. I mean, we we're probably going to do it by conference again. And I think no matter what conference we do, there's probably at least one guy who has at least a shot of being a first round pick. Yes. I'm trying to think, I think the only power five conference without a guy like that is probably big 12. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to rack my brain around if I, if I'm forgetting someone at Oklahoma or something, but I, I do think that, like you said, all Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, SEC all have a guy that's a first-round caliber guy, and even AAC with Gardner. Mm-hmm. For so sure, for sure, we'll be we'll see you guys next week. Let's get fired up.